Well, good morning, Heights families. Good to see everybody today and good to have those of you joining us online. Hey, I want you to begin this morning and, and think just for a moment about what your confidence is in. What, what are you counting on that when you're entering a room, when you're entering a situation that, that says you're good? You know, I count on this to say, I, I, I belong here. I can do this. I'm, I'm good enough. Listen, we're all looking for something. We're all looking for something that says we have value, that, that we have worth. We're counting on an, an accomplishment, a skill we have, a relationship we're in. The, the funny thing is we count on hundreds of things, thousands of things. But what's incredible is we can lose every one of them. The, the thing you and I are most looking to anchor our lives to, we can lose every one of those things. You know, for a long time, I, I actually counted on, it might sound kind of silly to you, but it was big to me, I counted on running. Uh, r- being a runner was my identity. Being on the, the team I was on was my identity. We won, I won, and, and that's what made me good. That, that's what gave me confidence when I, when I entered into something. And, but, but for how long can I do that? I mean, how, how long? You know, I still run today, but boy, it's been a long time since the word was fast used to describe what I did yesterday morning. Been a long time. I mean, how long can we count on that? You lose it. You know what we lose? We lose things just by waking up. I mean, yeah, there's some things we lose because of unfairness or some bad change, or something that really went against us. Or, but you know what? You can lose stuff just because life is happening. It's just a new day and changes, and all of a sudden a, a relationship or a position you had, something you really counted on is, is now gone. What, what are you depending on that gives you worth? Is it, is it how fast you are? Is it how strong you are? How smart you are? Is, is it that you graduated cum laude? Is it that you're the top manager, top salesman? Maybe it is, you know, hey, listen, I, 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 I'm the life of the party. When I enter the room, everybody wants to, to be around me. Everybody wants to be with me. What, what is it you're counting on? Because you're going to lose it. I mean, you know, you say, well, no, I've, I've had mine for a pretty long time. I, I, you know, I really trust in this. And, and I've got, hey, let's say you hold it all the way up to what? Till the day you die, then what? That's a warm, fuzzy thought for our summer, isn't it? But, you know, I I just point to the reality of that. And and it is reality. You and I count on things for the core of our being. We count on things that that we're going to lose. And and that backdrop, uh, it just highlights how incredible what God offers you and what God offers me. God offers us an identity a work, a purpose. And there's absolutely no circumstance, no relationship. There's nothing that can happen to me that'll change that identity. There's nothing that will change my purpose. As a matter of fact, each circumstance, and some are good and some aren't good. Each relationship, some are good and some are not good. But each circumstance, each relationship is just a new place, a new way, a new opportunity to experience that identity, to experience that purpose that I have in God. Man, I think, folks, we're going to look at a tremendous passage today that shows you what you and I can build a life on, what we, where we can find our, our confidence and our strength. Turn with me today to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. 
you've got your Bible there, the fastest way to find it, just go to the end, Revelation, and then start backing up. You'll go through Jude, a couple letters to, from John, and then, and then you'll be in the letters from Peter. Now, as we turn there, 1 Peter chapter 2, we have seen that Peter is writing to people then, to people now, you and, you and me. He is writing to people who've been born again. Just as we just saying, man, I'm a child of God. That, that's my worth. That's my identity. That's who I am. He's writing to people that have been born again. And in being born again, they have been, their life has been marked by holiness. We, we now live in a way that is, that is holy. Well, as you and I identify with Christ, as we seek to live that holy life, not, not live a life where we check off all the rules, live a life that's like the Savior we love, right? That's holiness. As you and I do that, guess what? Not everybody's excited as we are, right? As a matter of fact, some people are offended by that, bothered by that, hate that. And that can bring some suffering in our lives. That that suffering might be everything from just feeling a little awkward in a certain setting all, all the way down to what, what Peter's recipients were dealing with, being like arrested and killed. I think awkward's better, don't you? But listen, wherever we are on the spectrum, and none of us likes to suffer, and God's not asking you to like suffering. God's not asking you to go look for suffering. But as we live in our identity, as we live in our purpose, it can result in that. And, and, and whenever, whenever I'm uncomfortable, I mean, I don't know about you, but I want to avoid that, right? And so there can be a temptation to hide that identity. There can be a temptation when we're out there living in the world, maybe to not live in a way that's so, so marked by holiness. I mean, I'm not committed to being a bad person or something, but I, I don't know how big I'm going to live this holiness thing. And so Peter's writing saying, man, don't, don't run from your identity, don't run from that character quality that is to mark your life. It, you know, it might, it might reduce the awkwardness from a moment, but we live in a world where suffering's reality. We're going to suffer. What God's offering us is, a, is when that suffering hits an opportunity for there to be purpose in it. Hey, suffering without purpose? That's, that's just suffering. Who wants that? So let's see what God has to say to us here. First Peter chapter 2 verse 4. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you, listen to how many times you're going to hear the word you. This passage is about our identity, and it's talking about you. You are living stones. You are the, the building material by, what, by which God is building a new kind of temple. He's building a, a spiritual temple. You, you are the bricks. You're the sticks. You're the air conditioning. You're the rug. You're the paint. That's what you are, okay? You are, uh, what's more, you are his holy priests. How many of you thought this week about being a priest? Oh, gosh, in light of being a priest, I need to do this today. I'm guessing zero, <laughs> I'm guessing not a single one of us, but that's what it says. Oh, well, it couldn't be talking about me. I'm not even sure I understand this whole Christianity thing. I'm not real. I'm not sure how good I am at you are a holy priest through mediation of Jesus Christ. You offer spiritual sacrifices that please God, man, you can do that. 
Yeah, you wonder, what, 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 what could God find? Hey, you can please God. You do that through your spiritual sacrifices. As the scriptures say, I'm placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Hey, can I stop right there? Anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. That's a promise for you when you trust in Jesus Christ. You know, right now in this room and, and, and watching online, there, there will be those who've not yet made that decision. You've not yet come to the place of, of placing your trust in Jesus Christ. Trusting, as the evidence says, that he is the living son of God. That he rose again from the grave. That, that on the cross he was paying the penalty for your sins. You've not yet trusted that God has provided a way to himself. A way that is free from guilt and sin. A way in which you can be holy. And that way is Jesus Christ. You've not yet trusted in that. It, maybe it's because you're brand new to thinking about all this. Maybe it's, it's really been for a long time. You're just not really sure, not, not sure you buy in. But I want you to hear today, God's making a promise to you. If you will trust, if you'll place your faith in Jesus Christ, you will never be disappointed. You will never be disgraced. You will never be ashamed of that decision, which is interesting for him to say that right here. He's writing to people who, because they believed on Christ, were being arrested, were, were being put in prison, were being killed. You say, well, doesn't that, isn't that kind of a contradiction? N not at all. Folks, bad things can happen in this world. What God's offering is a purpose. Th those people were never showing up. Boy, that, boy, coming to Christ was the worst thing I've ever done. You will not say that. But even if in for a moment it causes some suffering, hey, listen, we're talking about eternity. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, you will never be disappointed that you placed your faith in Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, if you're here today and that's not something you've done, I want to really challenge you. Let today be the day that this promise becomes your promise. Let today be the day you take that, that step of faith. Maybe you need to tune me out for a while and just pray and talk to the Lord right now. Lord, I don't even know if I believe in you. Is this a promise I'm to claim? Is your salvation something that I need? And boy, let his promise become yours right here today. You'll never be disappointed. Verse 7, yes, you who trust him, recognize the honor God has given him. What's the honor? He is the king of kings. He is the son of God. But for those who reject him, because you don't have to believe him. God's not going to force you to believe on his son. You have the choice. You can reject him. But you need to understand the stone the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. You know, we have cornerstones today on buildings. You know, it's usually kind of a different color and it'll have the date that the building was built. It's completely ceremonial. It, it has nothing to do with the structure of that building. Today. That was not true then. They would lay a cornerstone and then everything in the building was measured off of, was built off the cornerstone. So when that, when that word is being applied to Jesus, when it's saying Jesus is the cornerstone, Jesus is, is, is the measurement by which we are all measured. Jesus is the measurement by which we are all built. I can reject that, but then I have no building. I, I, I have no life. Okay, let's move on. They stumble. He is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. I'm going to fall on Christ and my life will fall apart or I'm going to become all these things that are being described on that cornerstone. 
They stumble because they do not obey God's word. What does God's word say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's a command in your life. That's a command in my life. Are are we going to obey it? Many are not. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you... You, the, you know, they've been born again. The ones who did trust in Jesus, that belong to Jesus. You are not like that. You're chosen. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priest. That's the second time we've been called a priest. I didn't think once about being a priest this week. And yet God is telling us today, hey, hey, you know, you're a priest. Oh, not, not me. No, yep, twice. You, you are a priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result... You can show others the goodness of God. What an opportunity you and I have every single day to show people the goodness of God. For he called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people. My gosh, you were trusting in how good a runner you are. Once you had no identity, but now you're God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. Hey, that's something else about our identity, isn't it? I'm temporary here. I'm I'm a foreigner here. Boy, it's real easy, isn't it, to start living like this is all there is? This is my home. I'm I'm investing everything. I'm banking everything in right here. No, this is temporary. I I don't don't even belong to this place. Why? Because I'm God's people. I'm God's possession. Heaven is my home. So in light of that, keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful. I circle those two words. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. People are watching. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. They will, they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Let's think about that. You know, for, for three weeks now, this is our fourth week of looking at Peter. In the first three weeks, in the passages we looked at, we've heard three times to think about that day that Jesus has revealed to all the world. Does that sound familiar? It, it should, because we've said it four Sundays in a row now, so a little bit of nodding here would be very encouraging. Okay, so we're thinking about the day that Jesus has revealed to all the world. Why are we thinking about that day? Because it's to impact and shape how I live today. I live today in light of the great day that is coming. While we didn't hear that phrase quite that way today in our passage, I do want us to think about that. And I want you to think about who in your life is probably not going to be standing with Jesus on that day. Now, I'm not asking you to to think mean of somebody. I'm not asking you to judge somebody. We're we're not, you know, hey, who, who are the people we don't like? There's no way Jesus loves them. No, we're not doing any of that. I mean, don't we all have some people in our lives that, I mean, maybe they're they're very vocal about their disbelief in God. Maybe, Maybe they're very vocal how they don't like God. Maybe they don't talk about God at all. They just live in so large and in charge in this world. I mean, God in heaven just doesn't have anything for them. 
got everything I need right here, right, whatever it might be. You've got somebody in your life, don't you? That's just kind of hard to imagine that when Jesus is revealed to all the world, they'll be standing there with him. You know what I'm talking about? Do you have a name, a face? Yes, pastor, I do. Okay. All right, now I want you to take, let's not think about that day. But you do still have the name, this face. I want you to imagine that they were in here worshiping with you this morning. I want you to imagine, man, they were singing with all their heart. They were loving. They were just loving on God. I mean, you looked at them and thought, are you crazy or something? You must really be in love with the Lord. And, and this week, they're going to call you and say, hey, what would you think about the message? Man, didn't you like that verse? And you're going to hear that person tell somebody else, hey, hey, I'm I'm praying for you. Now, what changed? I mean, 30 seconds ago, this was somebody you can't imagine is going to be anywhere near the Lord when the Lord is revealed on that day. But now, all of a sudden, they're worshiping and they, man, they love God's word and they're, and they're praying for other. What changed? One thing. They watched you and they said, God is real. They watched you. And said, I want to worship God. Isn't that what it just said here? You, your life can show others the goodness of God. Folks, this is our identity. This is our work. This, this is what we have the opportunity to do. What a sense of worth. What a sense of significance. What a life of strength that we work from. Listen, every single circumstance is an opportunity. Now, if given a choice, there are some opportunities I would love to show how good God is. I would love to show how good God is after being promoted. I'd love to show how good God is when all my kids are successful. I'd love to show how good God is when I, I live in perfect health. But you know what? Maybe those won't always be the things that make up every day. I mean, I don't want to get cancer. I don't want to get fired. I don't want to deal with tragedy or crisis, but, but those things are realities. Those, those things do enter our lives. And do you know what? They don't change anything about my life. Cancer changes nothing about my life. That's just a new way, a difficult way to show the goodness of God and, and to walk with. Hey, can God have your life to show himself to somebody in your life? Can God have your life to do that? You know, when we're sitting in church and it's all a hypothetical discussion, I mean, it, it, it's kind of easy. Yeah, man, God, you can have my life. But I don't want God to show himself through me through cancer. I'd rather just not have the cancer, right? But folks, God takes every... See, these things, having a life where there's never a problem... No, we've got an identity and we've got a purpose. It doesn't matter what happens to my life. It doesn't matter what happens in my relationships. It doesn't matter what happens in my circumstances. I just have a new way and a new opportunity to live who I am and impact somebody else for all eternity. There might be suffering there, but what a purpose. What a purpose to see somebody else's eternity affected. This is who we are. This is what we do. And that can happen. Now, who, who are we? we? We keep talking about who we are and you, 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 you. Man, we're God's people. I, I love that phrase there. I'm God's very own 
possession. I belong to the, to the living God, God's people. Now, that idea is unwrapped a variety of ways in this passage. It starts off by saying, I'm God's building. You, you, you and me, we, we, are, we house God in this world. That, that's what you and I, we, we are the bricks and the sticks and the rug and the air conditioning. We, we are what houses God in this world. Man, what a responsibility. What, what an exciting responsibility. Man, you know, we, we, we got this big building here and we gather for church. And, and you know, you don't even know what's broken or, or what we're fixing or what's going to have to be repaired. I mean, you know, if we walking down the sidewalk today and there was a brick laying on the side. I mean, we have a lot of bricks. Have you noticed that? This, I mean, clearly, if one brick falls out, I mean, we can still have church today, can't we? Yeah, we're, we're not going to cancel. Oh, y- y'all stay at home. There's a brick on the sidewalk. We'll let you know when it's put back in place. You know, hey, if the air conditioner wasn't working today, now that's a little bit more significant, right? Now, if the air conditioner wasn't working today, I'm going to step on them and say we'd still, we'd still have church today. Me, a few of us say, I'll see you next week. <laughs> but we could have church Listen, everything doesn't need to be in place and everything doesn't need to be working for us to have church, for us to be the church. But is that ever the goal, to see what we can do without and and how little we can do? No, man, the goal is that everything is where it belongs and everything is working just as it should. And you do understand we're not talking about bricks or sticks or rug or air conditioning no, we're talking about you and me. We are the, the beauty of the building that houses God. We're the strength of the building that houses God. We're, 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 we're the functionality of the building that houses God. This, this is what we do. We are priests. Not a word we think of, hardly at all, and certainly not of ourselves. But that's what we are. It says it over and over. You are a priest. Well, you couldn't be talking about me. I'm not even sure I understand this. Or I, I'm not sure I'm very good at you are a priest. Now, what does a priest do? A, a priest has three very primary responsibilities. First of all, a priest goes before God and represents people. I have the responsibility as a priest to come before God and represent people. So I come before God, and if I'm representing my Christian brothers and sisters, what does that mean I'm doing? Man, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking on your behalf. I'm, I'm lifting you up in prayer. I'm talking to God about you. That's my responsibility. Hey, I'm talking to God. I'm there on behalf of that person that's not going to go before God because we've all got some people like that in our lives, right? I mean, somebody needs to come before God on behalf of this person. So a priest, I go before God on behalf of people. Also as a priest, I go before people on behalf of God. I move into people's life to be the love of God, the help of God, to be the encouragement of God, to be the the gospel, the good news of God. I move into people's lives to to be God and, and, and to be used by him, a tool by him in their lives. And then a priest offers sacrifices. Now, you and, you and I don't, don't see that, but remember who Peter is writing to. He, he's writing to a group of people, many of whom were Old Testament, what we would call Old Testament Jewish believers. And that's, what, that's the main thing they saw the priests do, was offer those sacrifices. But we don't need a sacrifice anymore, do we? 
Doesn't, doesn't the book of Hebrews tell us that Jesus was the sacrifice once for all time, for all people, for all sins? It's covered. So what are the spiritual sacrifices that you and I as priests are offering? I like Hebrews 13. I think it gives a good, clean, crisp definition of this. Look at this. Hebrews 13, verses 15 to 16. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. You can, same phrase, you can please God. It's used there, it's used here. Now what are spiritual sacrifices? Well, the first thing it says there is praise. It's praise, it's, a, it's acknowledging it's acknowledging God. I, I believe you're the God of gods. You're the, the eternal one. I acknowledge you're the holy one. I acknowledge you, you have all power and you have all authority and, and you are beautiful and you are just and you're good. Hey, I acknowledge God that you hear and answer prayers. I acknowledge the truth of your word that tells me you care about me and that, and that you see me. I, I, I acknowledge. That every good thing I experience this week is from your hand. It's from your kindness. Every good moment, every good taste, every good experience, it all comes from me. God, I acknowledge you. That's a sacrifice. When you and I wake up or we're about to go to bed or we're just driving down the road to the next thing and we stop and acknowledge, that is a, that is a sacrifice. I don't know about you, but if that's the sacrifice, well, that's not too hard. I can do that. But that's what it is spiritually. You know what? When you and I, as the scripture commands us to do over and over and over and over and over and over, when we do this exact same activity, but we don't do it alone, we do it together. I mean, it's a sacrifice, right? It'd be easier to do this alone at home. It'd be quicker to do this alone at home. But it's a sacrifice that says, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take time and I'm gonna gather with God's people and together we're gonna acknowledge God. You know, I, I, I love that we have online, our church, so many churches have that ability. I mean, it, it, you know, cause every now and then we're <coughs> sick. And it, and it helps to be able to have online and stay connected or every now and then like today and all the rest of the summer, we have as much of a campus down at the Outer Banks as we do here. And, 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 and we can go online and, and we'll see all those people from Outer Banks that watched. Hey, I think that's cool. We have that kind of technology. But as we're doing that for very good reasons, boy, we've got it. We've got to guard against that temptation to letting that screen become church. Because you know why? Because when I'm at home and, and my experience of doing that is just online, remember, we're talking about people watching. Nobody sees me get in my car. No, nobody sees the sacrifice of, of shaping and dedicating that time and, and to, the, the, and shaping and gathering with God's people. No, nobody see, nobody sees the cars. Nobody sees the traffic. Man, don't, don't you, I, I always makes me nervous when I'm standing at my window in there and I see the traffic back and I hope oh, people aren't going to come back because there's traffic. I, you know what? I read this passage and I think, man, praise God for traffic. 30,000 cars an hour drive through that light. Think of what's being communicated. 
when there's traffic. Think of what's being communicated when every, every spot is... Next time you're sitting in traffic about to say something you shouldn't say to our parking lot folks who really are there to bless you, you just remember, hey, this is a witness. There's 30,000 cars passing through out there. That's a sac. Now you understand spiritual sacrifice? It's, it's a sacrifice, but boy, God, so blessed by it. Another spiritual sacrifice is when we do good. Gosh, that's a whole message in itself. There's, all, there's a thousand things we can do that are good for others, right? I mean, gosh, this past week, a real good would just be to stand outside and wait for somebody that needed help with an umbrella, right? I mean, that's, that's a good thing. Help somebody get from their car to inside with an umbrella. That's a good thing. That's a spiritual sacrifice. And there's a thousand other things like that as we move down the spectrum to the greatest good, Sharing with somebody the gospel. You know, every one of... You know what? It is good to do good for good's sake. But if a person dies and goes to hell, then all that good ultimately becomes irrelevant, doesn't it? Man, in every good, we're, we're hoping, we're praying it builds an opportunity to share the, where all good comes from. To share the one who is most good. To share God. So, so we're looking at every opportunity we can to do good and to share with others. Sharing might sound a lot like doing good, but, but sh- good is one thing. Sharing almost implies I'm looking for people who are, who are doing without right now. They're suffering. They've got less. They're, they're, they're just doing without right now. What do I have to share? So, I can't be me. I've got nothing to share. Sadly, there's people out there that have less to share than even you. And you know, I think, I think we look at a past like this. I think we have to be wise with sharing. I think, hey, where's, what's the best way to share? Where, where does it do the best? Where does it do the most? What's the right way to share? But folks, we're a people who share. And when you share with somebody, God says, boy, that's a blessing. I just get all excited when I see that. What an opportunity you and I have to have God say, boy, I just get all excited when I see that. These are spiritual sacrifices. Now watch this. When you and I are gathering to acknowledge and worship, and and we're looking for places that we can do good or share, some of that good we'll do as individuals as we're just walking through our week. Some of that good we'll do when we gather together and go out as an army and we go out as a church or, or as a life group. Hey, listen, that good is the center of our vision. In 10 years, the Heights Baptist wants to be a church that our community can't imagine being without. Why would they not be able to imagine being without us? I like to think it's because of the incredible preaching that we have here every single week. But I'm guessing that a good number of folks out there could care less about the incredible preaching that we have in here. But they can't imagine what their neighborhood would be, what their school would be, what their job place, what their community would be without that church up there. See, that's our good and, and, and so as we're worshiping and we're doing good and we're sharing, guess what's going to happen? There are people that in that process that God's going to become real for them. They're going to watch you and I doing what we do and God is... All of them? Of course not. Probably not even a near majority. Probably a very small minority. But for that very small minority, it's impacting all of eternity. Man, what, 
What an exciting lives you and I live. You know, as, as Peter writes this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I, I can't help but imagine that he is remembering the Sermon on the Mount. He, he's remembering that day he sat on the side of the Mount and Jesus was preaching and Jesus said, let your light shine in such a way that others see your good works and they give glory to God in heaven. I've always found that a very intriguing thought, a a very intriguing idea, that that somebody is watching me, and they end up praising God. That's what our lives can be. That's what, ask me to explain that. I can't. (laughs) I don't know fully how that works, but God says, there's a way you can live in which people watch you, and they end up knowing and praising me, and they're standing with Jesus on the day he judges the world. That, that, that's, that's the life we have. And we do that. We take on that life. Why? Man, we're, listen, we're the people of God doing the work of God so people will praise God. And we gladly, gladly receive that assignment because we, we've been called out of darkness. Do we care about that? Are we still overwhelmed? Man, I've been called out of the darkness of sin and death and hell. I've been called out of the darkness of shame and guilt and fear. Man, I've been called literally out of the darkness of groping around on this planet, trying to find some ability, trying to find some relationship that says I have value. I'm done groping around in the darkness looking for that. Man, God's called me out of that darkness. And I now live in the light, the wonderful, marvelous light. Man, I live in God's truth. I know the truth of who God is. I know the truth of his love for me and what he's done so that I could be forgiven and I could be holy so that I could be a priest on this planet. I I know the truth. Of the future and heaven and hell. I, I know the hey, I know the truth that as we journey through a broken world, and that means there's gonna be pain, and there's gonna be loss, and there's gonna be hurt and death. But I know the truth that even that nothing in this world will change who I am or what I can do and what God will use me for. Man, I know the truth of a I know the truth of how to live. I know the truth of how to live. You know what? Sometimes I'll, I'll live in laughter. But sometimes I'll live in tears. But in both places, I live with Jesus. Man, sometimes I'm going to live and just be crowded with people who love me and support me and think I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. But hey, sometimes we live and, and we're very, very alone, right? But in both places, I live with Jesus. Boy, folks, being called out of darkness and into light doesn't mean every moment's a happy moment. It doesn't mean every moment's a healthy moment. It absolutely means every moment is with Jesus. And in you and I knowing that and living that, people see it and they say, I want your God. And folks, most people aren't looking for how to live when everything's happy and good. Most people are looking for how you live when you're in crisis. Sometimes crisis is our great opportunity. Sometimes the crisis is where we have our our best chance. Man, what what a life God has given to you and me. Surely, when we begin to grasp who I am, I'm God's very own possession. 
And, and I'm grasping my, my work, my purpose. Man, I'm showing people the goodness of God that affects eternity. Surely when we grasp that, we want to protect it, right? Don't you want to protect who you are and, and, and what you have and what you do? And, and that's where we see Peter saying here, man, you, hey, listen, you've got to watch out. You've got to protect what you have. People are watching. Your unbelieving neighbors are watching. Man, we've got to really care. We've got to strive after holiness. I want to live a good and holy and perfect life. Man, did any of us this past week wake up one day and say, God, I want to live utterly holy and perfect in everything I am and do this week? I bet not. But I'll tell you something that every person in this room has said probably more times than we can count. Nobody's perfect. And we just repeat a mantra of failure into our lives. Nobody's, nobody's perfect. Hey, you want to know something? Nobody is perfect. We fail. We fall short. Does that mean we don't try? Does that mean we don't aim at holiness? With, with You know why we don't do things? Because I know I can't do it. I know I'm going to fail. But do you realize by the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm freed up from having to strive after holiness today and that be the basis by which God loves me. And that be the basis by which God accepts me. God says, hey, Randy, I've got that covered. Man, you're loved. You're forgiven. Man, go get it. Go be holy. Nothing to lose. And as people watch, God becomes real. Do you realize there's really just two very simple ideas here. Verses 4 to 10, Peter is saying, hey, listen, go out there and live in a way that people will see God and praise him. Verses 11 and 12 are saying, don't go out there and live in a way that people end up dismissing God. Boy, that can happen, can it? I mean, mean, you're here today, right? I mean, your neighbors know you got in a car. Your neighbors, I mean, they saw your car pulling into church. People know I go to church or that I say I'm a Christian. But then they hear me lie. They hear me steal. They, they watch me cheat. They, well, they did this. Well, they said that. My, my life this week is going to create opportunities for people to praise God or dismiss God. And it's not the bad, awful people out there that are making that choice. It's your life and my life. They're going to praise God or they're going to dismiss God. I want my life to lead people to praise God. No matter how good or bad of a week I have, God said that opportunity's there. Let's go get it. So how do, you do, how, do you, how do you live in that identity? How do you take on that purpose? I don't want to oversimplify, but I, I think we just need to do one thing. Do one thing. And it, you, you know, you're, somebody's mean to you. Somebody says this to you. You're making a decision. You're, you're deciding if this is what you want to do. Here, one thing you do in every situation. Do what has the greatest potential to lead somebody to praise God. Do what has the greatest potential to lead somebody to, to one day. It may not be today, may not be in this moment, but if I keep doing those kinds of things, that can lead somebody to praise God. You know what? I'm, I'm guessing you and I will come up on some things. Well, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what that would be. 
I'm not, I'm not sure what that would look like. I'm going to suggest it is much more obvious than we're making it out to be. We're, we're making it some kind of comp. Well, I just don't know what would lead people to it. Think of it this way. If I lie right now, any chance that one day leads somebody to praising God? If I'm sexually immoral right now, and gosh, in our culture, just remove the word immoral. If I, if I just live any way I want sexually, okay, so that's fine, that's good, you're happy and all that. But, but, but does doing that actually lead anybody to one day praise God? Does, it, does that lead anybody to do something that counts for all eternity? Yeah, you know, if I'm selfish, if I'm grumpy, I mean, this isn't hard, is it? I, I, I don't actually think you have to be that astute with Scripture to know in almost every case, hey, is responding this way, is doing this, is deciding that, is that, is that going to lead people to dismiss God or does that lead people to, to one day praise God? Man, folks, God is giving us a life that can profoundly impact people. Giving us the opportunity to, to please him when you and I have nothing to give him. We have nothing to enrich God. And yet he's, there's a way for us to bring such pleasure to him. Now remember, the backdrop to all this. People are suffering. Now that's, we don't live in a culture. We don't, we don't live in a situation where it's like what these guys are, are, are dealing with, but if, if, if I, okay, Peter, I believe you, I trust you, man, I'm, I'm God's own possession and I can live so that people praise God and it'll actually happen. Does, does that make my child being burned at the stake irrelevant? Does that make the fact that my parent just went to jail, does that make it ir- irrelevant? Does, does that mean that suffering doesn't matter? You know what? I, I don't think I want to say that it makes suffering not matter. but I think it makes suffering not matter. Let's pray. Father God, may we be just such a people. In every, everywhere we go this week, every interaction we have, every relationship, every circumstance, God, that we're a people who just want to do. Whether anybody's watching or not, it's still whatever I do, the things I do in total privacy come out in my voice. Come out in my behavior. Come out in my actions. God, may we be a people who in everything we are, in everything we're doing, the great joy of our life, the great purpose and passion of our life is simply to do what might one day lead somebody to praise God. Gosh, Lord, I just look at this room, Lord. Add the people who are watching online. We... We have the ability to impact thousands and thousands of lives this week. And that, and that would be with tens of thousands of more ignoring us or mocking us. Oh God, help me all week long think about, what, hey, what do I do right here so that somebody potentially praises God one day? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.